Hello, wonderful people. Welcome to the Jake's Hevel Distinguished Fellowship Podcast, where we amplify the voices of recognized educational leaders in South Africa. I'm your host, Carla Watson, former high school teacher and founder of the Distinguished Fellowship, in partnership with the prestigious Mail and Guardian Young 200 Award. Together, we amplify the voices of recognized educational leaders in South Africa. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, Nsako. This Hi. is Carla Watson. How's it? How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm pretty excited to have you here today from a, a personal passion around mental well-being and mental health. And I'm particularly curious about how we are, are, are going to talk today about bringing mental health into school infrastructure. But before I, you know, climb into the the, the questions that I, I have for you, um, I'm just going to let our listeners know a little bit more about you and read the bio that you've submitted for this podcast uh, today. Cool. Nsako Mshlanga is a 22-year-old black woman taking strides each day to improve the social part of education. Her career began in 2014 at the tender age of 15 when she started volunteering her time at the Gauteng Department of Education in the MEC's office. In 2015, she hosted the National Teacher Awards and it was broadcast on SABC2. In 2016, she advocated for learners in Limpopo to the South Africa Human Rights Commission. She has two qualifications. The first she obtained in 2019 from the WITS Radio Academy. The second degree is from Regency's Business School. In that time that she was completing her qualifications, she was part of a documentary called Schools That Work. The documentary was shared to the members of the Department of Basic Education and schools across the country. Nsako Mshlanga is currently doing her honours she is also embarking on an exciting journey of building a learning center that will prioritize the mental health of learners. She will also be doing work to help young people in juvenile prisons change their lives. Nsako Mshlanga is open to collaborating with organizations with the same vision and same mission for South Africa. Cool. <laughs> So you have been recognized by the Mail and, Young, uh, Mail and Guardian Young 200 Award, identifying the top 200 people in the country for their incredible work in South Africa and particularly for you in education. What did the Mail and Guardian Young 200 Award and experience mean to you in Sako? Goodness, you're taking me back to a very, um, very rewarding time in my life. Um, simply because Mail and Guardian was something I had, especially last year, beginning of the year, I was like, hey, it actually would be really cool, you know, having watched so many people, you know, being recognized by them. Um, I had thought that, oh, okay, it would be nice to just enter, you know. <laughs> and then when the time actually came, I remember one of my friends actually sent me the link and they're like, hey, I think you'd be good to do this. Um, and then, you know, I kind of just brushed it off for a couple of days because I remembered, mm-hmm. you know, and then on the very last day where you had to enter, I was like, oh, you know, what? I mean, I have nothing to lose. Um, it doesn't take away anything from my career. If anything, it adds on to, you know, what I've already done if I get it. So I, I shot my shot and I decided that, you know, let me enter. 
And, you know, I, I got the email that, you know, we needed to do a little bit more. So at this point, you know, I didn't want to raise my hopes, but I was really excited about, you know, the fact that I got like a, a you know, an email back. Um, you know, we had to do a little bit more about our, you know, show more evidence about our work and, you know, what it actually means to us to get Mailing Guardian. And then we get the nomination letter. Um, um, yeah, the nomination letter, like I think a day before they were about to announce. So at this point, you know, I'm telling my family and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Why would you even do something like that? And, you know, obviously they're, they're coming at this like, you know, how could you think of doing this in the most amazing <laughs> way? <laughs> um, and then, you know, the nights arrived and I remember just, I remember the the, the, the silence, you know, in that my family had like no one was speaking we were just watching the screen and I don't think the last time we were actually concentrated like that I really don't remember <laughs> um and I remember my my name was the at the very very last page in education so for me I had already like made peace with the fact that okay maybe I didn't make it and then that last page came in with my name there and I was just I literally <laughs> fell off the couch <laughs> And honestly, Carla, like, I, I really wish I could send you the video of, you know, the reaction because it's just one minute where we're all just quiet and then there's just this explosion of excitement. I mean, I can't even tell you how it has changed my life. I mean, I made I made it a point to add it onto my bio and social media. And since then, I mean, people kind of just look at you differently. You know, they look at the work differently. Anything that you put out there, it's almost verified because of what you have on your bio and because of the mail and guardian, you know, recognition. So yeah, it really, it altered my life, to be honest with you. And people find the things that I say and do more credible because of it. Unreal. That, it's like, I wish I, there was a video I could see <laughs> of your family, or of you falling off the chair and of your family being so focused on, on the screen. Wow. And, and, and I agree with you around that level of credibility. In, in my own career, I noticed the same. It's, I think Mail and Guardian spot on around saying it is not just any list, but the list uh, for, yeah. for us to get onto and be recognized on. So, so thanks for your honesty there. I love it. Um, I wish more people a bit more candid and, and expressive as you are in, in something so personal. <laughs> Thank you. That brings us, of course, to the, the personal nature of, of the topic that you've brought, and it's everyone's business, um, but not many people, not enough people are speaking about it and engaging with it, but, but I'd love to hear your voice in this space. So what is the need for awareness of mental health in schools and schooling in South Africa? And, and, and Sako, why is it important? So when we talk about mental health, um, I think our minds immediately go to anxiety, depression, and, you know, that's what we need to talk about, right? And I think for me, the reason why mental health is so important um, is the fact that it's this big bubble that covers things like, you know, learners with special education needs, learners who have behavioral problems, learners who tend to be a little bit more violent in schools. And this is not because a learner is generally violent, but it's because the learner has a certain mental health problem that is not being attended to. And for me, I have this Really, I want to say unrealistic, but I'm very optimistic about it. A goal that will actually decrease the number of juvenile prisons. Um, Simply because when I listen to the stories of these young people, you know, when they go to prison at such a young age, they've either stolen something or they've either, either, you know, got into a violent um, altercation. I mean, we speak about kids who, number one, don't come from, you know, the best homes. They don't come from homes where both parents were either there or, you know, they were also paying attention or, you know, it's, and I want to be very delicate with it, 
but also be wanna, I want to get very real with it. The fact is we are dealing with an issue here where people are not paying attention to learners. People are not paying attention to kids. And when we look at a child who is somewhat a little bit different to the, in inverted commas, normal child, we just say, no, you're the problem. So, you know, you're an outcast. We'll just leave you there in the corner or you'll make you sit at the back. And I think it's, it's created also by two factors. You know, the fact that, number one, teachers don't necessarily have the time, um, you know, to kind of cater to every single learner, but also just the fact that society as a whole stigmatizes people who are different when we talk about mental health. So mental health for me is not necessarily the typical, you know, anxiety and depression. Yes, I acknowledge them, but I'm looking at the deeper side of things now where especially like psychologically, um, you find a lot of learners, they've been through so much trauma that there's actually parts of their brain that are not connected anymore because of that trauma. So there's a whole science to mental health. There's a whole science that's attached to behavioral problems of learners. And this is why most of the time you find them really struggling with school and also also getting into these violent um, altercations with school. And I mean, we know what learners are capable of these days. I mean, just I think a year or two ago, we were reporting on a learner who murdered a teacher. We're talking about a 15-year-old. So what 15-year-old in their right mind would do that? There's clearly a bigger issue here at hand. And I feel like we need to now as a community really come together and understand that our learners live in a very, very different world and probably probably the hardest time to live through. I mean, as a young person for me, I find myself like living in this time is actually much harder than any other time. And I can back that up. <laughs> mm, mm. Tell me a bit more about that, Nsako. What makes, what makes now harder in the context you're describing? Yeah. Um, it's it's worldly pressures, it's social media, it's digital media and the things that we consume. Um, a lot of the time, you know, we give learners phones that have a lot of data, right? And, you know, we always hope for the best that they will connect to educational programs or things that will enrich their minds. But, you know, they're engaging in very violent, you know, media and things. I mean, look, if you want to Google how to conduct a school shooting, you can get the answers, like right up until how to even make the equipment to do that. Um, so the information that is out there is not really regulated for the younger viewer. I mean, if you wanted as a 13-year-old to Google porn, you'd find exactly what you're looking for in whatever genre you're looking for. So really, the things that we're consuming right now, make it a little bit difficult for us to learn things a traditional way, you know, kind of just going through life and grabbing some lessons. I mean, there's also this um, element of uh, social media that I really, really am trying to get young people out of, and that's instant gratification. So this um, sense that, you know, once you get out of high school, you get into varsity, you're going to get your dream job, you're going to get your dream salary. By 25, you're going to be married with kids, and you're just going to live this perfect life. And when things don't necessarily turn out that way, then we start to question ourselves and say, okay, maybe what's wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? And we end up going for the easy way out. And most of the time, the easy way out is not necessarily legal <laughs> or, you know, all fine. So for me, it's, it's, it's really, we're living in a time where we are influenced by so many different things and the tools that we're supposed to be using for the right reasons are the things that are actually killing us in the long run. Okay, that does help me understand a significant part of what you're sharing today. And, and you're talking quite significantly about uh, young people and, and their engagement with um, their mental health and their social media or online consumption. 
what role does the does mental health have in relation to school infrastructure, as you put it? Yeah, so I actually found this um, interest late last year, early this year. Um, and I actually kind of looked at within self first, um, because the place that I live in, like each piece of furniture is the color that I want. Um, you know, when I clean my apartment, I always feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I just feel like I'm in a, I'm in a haven. I just get so much more productive. And, you know, I realized that imagine this feeling, but with learners in their schools. And I realized that school infrastructure is not just about having a roof over your head and having, you know, bricks laid out for you. It's just about having that morale. We're touching into when you walk into a clean space, don't you feel like, oh, my word, I want to work. I want to I just want to be productive. I want to correlate with the space that I'm in. I want to make use of it. And what we feel like as, as you know, as sometimes adults, I think we, we forget that kids also have that within us, that morale. You know, morale isn't built when you only start working. It's built from already the school that you're in. If you walk into a place that is, you know, not necessarily well kept, um, you know, not, you know, just the infrastructure is just kind of <laughs> broken down. I mean, that you kind of carry that into the work that you do. You know, and we really need to talk about the correlation of if you're in a happy building full of color and, you know, paintings on the wall that are telling you that you're going to be great one day and there's just books everywhere. You know, you really want to also activate that productivity within you. However, if you're in, you know, places that aren't necessarily conducive, you know, for your learning and excitement and inner morale, then, I mean, there's not much work that's going to be done there. So <laughs> I think it, it really... Mental health and school infrastructure, you know, it's it's not as deep as, you know, people think it is. It's really just about if you're in a really conducive space, you're going to work. And if you're in a space that is just, you know, four corners or four walls that are just one color, there's no brightness, there's no, you know, activity there. I mean, you're really not going to produce much. I'm getting a sense from you, Nsaka, that you're touching on a bit more around the learning environment for our young people. Um, and and when you say school infrastructure, it also lends itself to the larger space of a school, not necessarily just the learning environment, which is often around the classroom and the spatial design, but more around the the culture, dare I say it, or the, the learning culture of the actual school. Mm. What would be, in your opinion, a, an environment that is conducive and sustainable um, for a young person to learn in South Africa now? Well, I think the first thing is a litter-free environment. Um, I, I remember in high school, we had a litter club. It happened every single day. And it was actually funny because they used the learners who were in detention um, to handle the litter club. So they would pick up litter all around the school. Um, and the minute you walk into school, I mean, if there's a pep on the floor, it's probably like the end of the world. <laughs> Um, so definitely litter free. Um, and, you know, when you walk into the classrooms, you they must be well kept. I mean, the desk mustn't have any writings on them. Um, and, you know, I, I think oh, what I want to emphasize also is the fact that it's not just the department's responsibility. Don't get me wrong. But there is also a responsibility of the learners themselves and the teachers because what I also particularly remember from high school is also having the liberty to be able to paint the classrooms and actually ask the teachers to have certain posters up. And, um, you know, so much so that those posters would be taken down during exams because they had so much information on them. 
um, you know, clean toilets. I mean, just usable toilets, just bearable toilets. <laughs> um, you know, classrooms that had specific quotes or maybe diagrams that, you know, spoke to maybe the hardest topic in the classroom. Um, you know, when you look into a garden, you know, are, are we planting something? Are there vegetable gardens there? Or are there flowers in there? But that for me is the ideal environment. It's just somewhere that's clean. Because obviously clean, cleanliness is close to godliness, right? And everything with godliness has to do with, you know, just a great life and, you know, productivity and really just living a really, really good life, right? And that's what I want. I, I feel like we've just become so accustomed to terrible environments and we end up creating even more. I mean, there's a saying, someone, I overheard someone saying um, that, oh no, if I just litter, I mean, you know, I'm just one person out of a billion. And I'm like, exactly. There's someone else or there's 10,000 other people saying the very same thing that you're saying right now. So now there's 10,000 of you. So imagine if you had a committee within a school that just dealt with the cleanliness of the environment. So it's really, you know, these things are new. I mean, if you look way back then, you know, in the 70s and 80s, these things on you, as much as they hated school, they really kept their schools clean. They really kept their schools together, you know. So I, I really, it's not new. It's just about taking care of the environment around you and the principle behind it. Because if you're able to take care of the environment that you're in, and even though you're temporarily in it, number one, you're creating a great environment for the next generation that's coming in behind you. And everything or every you know, aspect of your life, you're always going to carry that. I need to take care of this. So really we're building conscious human beings. You are going to be conscious of where you are, how it is, and how is it, how is it conducive to your well-being and your productivity. So it's, it's a, it's a long-term principle. Mm. Mm. I'm noticing a pattern in what you're saying around um, wanting to decrease the instant gratification of our young people aligned with the longer vision and longer term approach of ensuring that schools and schooling are, are conducive and positive for, for learning to happen and, and for growth to happen. Hmm. How are you grappling with, with the role of social media in particular with this passion that you are so clearly articulating here around wanting to improve the, the the environments of schools and schooling hmm. um it's very tricky to tell someone on social media that you need to keep your place clean because um i think our young people and you know rightfully so they feel like they don't they're not responsible for the schools you know mm, um yes. and then, yeah and they're not responsible for the places that they're in um and that's because you know i think also social media has kind of taught them that it's just the department's you know responsibility or it's a teacher's responsibility, or it's the school's responsibility. Um, so I think that also that separation from the learners and, you know, the school as well. And I, I don't know if it's because this is extra personal to me. We, from the first day of grade eight, we took care of that school so much so that for me, it's engraved in my mind that whatever environment that I'm in, I need to clean it up. I need to take care of it. I need to leave it the way I found it. Um, or even leave it in an in even better state, you know? So, and also coming from a girl's school, it was kind of a, <laughs> it was kind of a patriarchal thing, you know, that girls must always be clean, girls must always be this, girl. but, you know, looking at, um, you know, it holistically, just the fact that a person must always be clean and a person must always look after the spaces that they're in. 
Um, social media makes it a little bit difficult to communicate some of these messages because, you know, learners instantly feel like, you know, what do we have to do with school? I mean, I'm there for eight hours a day and I leave. And, and my point is exactly, you're there for eight hours. Why don't you create an amazing environment for those eight hours, you know? Um, and <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's that instantness, you know, it's the fact that, yeah, well, you know, someone else has to take care of it or, you know, if not me, then someone else will do it. Um, it's very, it's very difficult to communicate, you know, lifelong and long-term messages on, you know, a space where people just want to be there for 15 seconds and then get out, you know? Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's a little bit difficult to communicate that. Um, you know, I've tried. <laughs> I'm just finding new ways now of saying, okay, how do I get this message across? And I spend a lot of time, you know, on TikToks, you know, I'm just hoping that, okay, maybe, maybe if I try this thing, then, uh, you know, yeah, it, it could probably work. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're onto something there as we were chatting a bit earlier on TikTok. While it's an addictive space, I think you are onto something about the market there in terms of getting your message across. And, and getting this alternative way of looking at your environment and your mental well-being in a medium that's accessible, right? Mm-hmm. I have a, I have my last prompt for you, um, Nsako, is, is quite broad, but I want you to tell me as much as you can. What is your vision for education in South Africa? Wow. Um, <laughs> I... Yeah, yeah. This is very interesting. I think I need to make like a couple of notes, like keywords, because I mean, looking at like the seven pillars of education, you look at, you know, the academics, you look at teacher development, you look at technology, you look at infrastructure, which is also a very, very um, big deal. Um, you look at uniforms. I mean, reading the vision for SA is, you know, the overall vision is to find our learners on an equal playing field. Um, And I think that's important because then we eliminate a lot of the competition, you know. Um, And I I find myself surprised every single year that you find a learner from Pumalanga who doesn't have electricity at home but is getting 100%. And then you find a learner here who has everything but, you know, they're not really scoring as much, you know, as they should, because, you know, essentially you have all the resources. Um, so I'm hoping that we can eliminate the the learner who doesn't have anything and almost has to fight for their lives through education. You know, we need to stop romanticizing struggle, especially with our young people. I have a serious problem with us, you know, and this is just a global problem, you know, of, of you know, structural inequalities. Um, the fact that, you know, you have a young person who is still having the same struggle story as their parents. I mean, we're looking at, what, 20, 20 something years later, you know, it's, it's, it's like there's, it's about time we get, get rid of some of the struggles here. I mean, these are really man-made struggles and it's our responsibility as a community that we are, you know, as, you know, as a community uplifting our young people and ensuring that our young people at least have a good start. You know, we don't always have to start at the bottom. And I really want to get rid of that narrative that you have to start at the absolute bottom. In this day and age of, you know, social media, of technology, of, I mean, really the opportunities that are out there, there's no excuse and, you know, there's no excuse for us as the people who have already passed education to let a learner struggle, to just get to at least half of where we are. It's not fair. 
if you see or know a learner who's struggling with transport and doesn't have shoes, I, I'm not blaming them or their learners. I'm actually looking at you who can give them the transport and who can give them the shoes. And we like to, you know, especially on, on I'm really passionate about social media, by the way. I, I see on social media a lot where people are always um, criticizing the, uh, you know, education and, you know, saying, you know, the systems are so poor and all of that. And I'm not an advocate for them. However, I think we've taken ourselves out of the role of empowering young people. Um, so that's where I, I think I see it from a social aspect, the fact that socially there's so many inequalities that these learners have to experience. I mean, sometimes learners are sitting next to learners who have, I mean, iPhone 12s or 13s with iPads and MacBooks, and then that learner barely has a functioning phone, you know? So I just want to bring them on an equal playing field, just so that every learner has the same and equal opportunity to get to that level of success. That's just the social part. When I look at infrastructure, I mean, really, I think the it's, it's a very short answer on that end. You know, it's really just about establishing good foundations, literally, <laughs> for the learners, um, establishing good schools for them, you know, schools that are built, that, are, that they're going to take care of as well, and schools that will provide the adequate resources for their success. You know, that that is a really a non-negotiable, and I know they're currently working on it right now. So that one is an ongoing project because kids are being born every day, and we have more and more metrics every year you know seeing that you know yeah there's there's more and more learners getting into the system so there'll never be you know a time where yeah we have enough schools for every learner no you know we need to constantly invest in the infrastructure of schools um in terms of teacher development my vision really is for teachers to also be emotionally equipped to handle certain things um because a lot of the time, and I, re I remember this happening quite a lot, is one of the teachers actually left our school because she was struggling with, you know, managing so many different personalities. And I remember she actually left teaching completely. Like, she stopped being a teacher. And I'm like, this is something that they actually should talk to you about in, you know, varsity already, that classroom management is very, very important. How do you manage learners? And how do you also discern yourself you know, in terms of, you know, the emotional aspect, you know, so that you're not breaking down and crying in the middle of a lesson because you can't handle the learners. Um, so it's, it's for me, in terms of teacher development, I want teachers as well to be constantly trained. Um, you never reach a pinnacle of your career. You There's always something to learn. There's always something to feed off of. There's always mistakes that you're going to do. So we need to make sure that for every step that you take in elevating your career, there must be a lesson attached to that. There must be some sort of theory attached to that, some sort of education attached to that, so that teachers as well never stop learning. In terms of the learners as well, I really, really hope learners have more of a the sense of community amongst themselves um lately more you know I, I really it breaks my heart that learners aren't as together as I wish they could be you know um you have a classmate or a peer who is evidently not going or going through something really terrible at home and instead of helping them we bully them um bullying in schools is an absolute nightmare um, you know, I've, I've visited quite a few schools regarding it. And, you know, you really see that it's a deep-rooted issue. So I hope that learners bring back that sense of Ubuntu, 
the sense of, you know, uniting. And Ubuntu is not just a black thing. Ubuntu is a people thing. <laughs> so I just hope that as well, even beyond things like bullying, race relations, you know, um, racial uh, prejudices, all of that, we can really just come together and see each other as people who are just trying to get life right. Because even when you get to being an adult, you realize that you're winging it and you're winging life and we're just going to carry on winging life and until, you know, until kingdom come. <laughs> Everyone is really just trying to wing it. Um, and imagine if we're all winging it together. It will create a kinder world um, and a more empathetic world. So vision for essay, you know, I it, it's quite a broad thing. But I'm really, really hoping that one day our learners can, in fact, all all parts of, you know, education, you know, and really I want every single department there is in government to actually unite more in education because every single person has a role to play because school is not just about someone waking up and opening their book. How do they get there? Department of Transport. Is there water and sanitation there? Department of Water and Sanitation. Social development. Are these kids fed? You know, like there's, there's just, once you really list it down, you realize that on a daily basis, these departments need to be working together to ensure that every single child is seated. Every single child is having a comfortable learning experience. I like that. Wow, Nzako. I like how you've, you, your vision, although you say it's broad, I like how you bring it quite down to the individual, the individual learner. How do they then engage with these different departments to be able to be a, a, a functioning or a, a, a well-placed person or individual of the country? Thank you so much, Nsaka. You have brought such a fresh perspective on, on what's happening to the relevance of our young people. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed imparting, you know, some of the things that I talked to myself about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this is what this platform's about. Nsako, do you have any projects or, or things that you're working on, on at the moment that you'd love you'd like to share with us a bit about? Absolutely. And I'm actually glad I, I get to share this um, because it's probably the biggest project I've ever worked on in my entire young life. But I am currently building a learning center um, at Eastgate Shopping Center. It's about 300 square meters, um, really, really huge. Um, and that is also going to bridge the gap between mental health and the learner and the academics. So we will provide, you know, on-site social workers and psychologists for the learners. Um, we will have tutors as well who are also trained teachers and psychologists. Um, and it's really just also about providing online support for learners with autism, learners with ADHD, learners with special education needs. Um, yeah, so it's it's, it's really a, a big project. I've been working on this for about two years now, and now everything is really coming together. Um, am I nervous? Absolutely. But I have <laughs> I have um, a, a good cohort of of partners who are really helping me with this. Um, so I feel like, you know, once this gets the ball rolling, um, I'm really excited about it. We're looking to launch it in August. So you already got your invite. <laughs> wow, I was just about to ask, can I please come to the launch? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I would love for you to see what I'm raving about right now. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be quite big. Um, construction should be starting in July, first week of July. Um, and then we should wrap it up just before July ends. And then we have a huge open day and then the launch with all the fancy people in education. <laughs> oh, amazing. Nsako, 
Wow. And, and what's the name of the school? It's called Learnergy. So it's the synergy of learning techniques. Wow. I see Learnergy. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I haven't slept in two years. That's essentially what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, sleep is coming, I promise. Yes, it's coming. <laughs> uh, thank you. So thank you so much. This brings us to the end of our podcast episode today. I'm your host, Carla Watson, founder of the Jake's Careville Distinguished Fellowship in wonderful partnership with the Mail and Guardian Young 200 Award. Together, amplifying the voices of recognized educational leaders in South Africa. Until our next conversation.